excited about our study this evening. As I was in preparation for it, I thought I was going to do one thing. And then as I was preparing, I was, you know, you know how you're in prayer? I don't know if you've ever been in prayer. And as you're praying, you're like, okay, this is what I want to talk about. And the spirit just kind of adjusts. Do you understand what I'm saying? So there's an adjustment tonight. And by God's grace, we're going to receive what we need so that we can grow in Christ. Is that okay? Now let's borrow his for prayer. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we want to thank you for your grace and your mercy. We want to thank you, Father, for not giving us what we deserve, but giving us what your dear son does. And Father, as we're about to open our Bibles, we just want to follow you. So we ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is the only effectual teacher of truth. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So tonight, before we get into our key matter, does anybody remember the first key of understand? I mean, I don't have to get the question out. That's right, friendship. All right, what's the second key? Anybody remember the second key? Covenant. Very good, the covenant. And the third key, my friends? Righteousness. These, so far, we've covered these three keys for understanding Bible prophecy. Now, if you have these keys, you will be able to unlock certain passages of Scripture that you were not able to unlock before. Tonight, we have a fourth key. And this key is a special key. It's one of my favorite keys. You don't want to forget this key. This key is creation. Creation. Without understanding creation, you will not understand Bible prophecy. It is of a necessity that you understand creation. Before we get to our subject, we're time for a review. And so on the screen, I have a picture of a woman and in Bible prophecy, based on the text that we covered last night, what is a woman in Bible prophecy? A church. You guys are great students. You're on top of your game tonight. A church. And we saw that this church was pregnant with child, and we know that that child was none other than Jesus Christ. But we know that as this woman was pregnant, and as she was about to give birth to this child, there was a great red dragon and we saw in the bible that a dragon represented who satan. satan the devil and satan according to revelation chapter 12 verses 7 through 9 clearly indicates that a dragon is symbolic of the devil and satan so we know that at the birth of jesus the devil was there to try to kill baby jesus now, we looked at it. We said, why was he there to kill baby Jesus? What was he so afraid of that he wanted to take out baby Jesus? And we looked at Genesis chapter 3. Go to Genesis chapter 3. We're actually going to spend some time in Genesis this morning, but go to Genesis, or this evening. Go to Genesis chapter 3 and look at verse number 15. We identified this verse as the reason why the devil was so afraid of a baby. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the Bible says, I will put, what's the word, my friends? Enmity. enmity. That word enmity means hatred. I will put hatred between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, 
it shall bruise thy head, and thou shall bruise his heel. Now, it bruise is not the original word. Bruise is actually crush. So this baby, when it's born, is actually going to do something when it grows up to crush the head of the serpent. Now, if you've lived around snakes, anybody live around snakes? Now, snakes, you don't kill it by chopping off its tail. You, try to, you, can't, you can't kill a snake by chopping off its tail. You must crush the head. You must chop off the head if you're going to kill the snake. Are you following me? So this promise in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, was actually a promise of salvation. And the devil heard this promise, and he was afraid. So every time a child was born from the lineage of Adam and Eve and so forth and so on, the devil said, I got to get rid of this one. I got to corrupt this one. But he was not able to do that. Amen. And we're, in fact, we're told, go to Revelation chapter 12 very quickly. Go to Revelation chapter 12. Go back there. And we're told in Revelation chapter 12, something special happened when that baby was born. It says in Revelation chapter 12, in verse number 15, I mean, verse number 5, it says, Revelation 12, verse 5, And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. So in the passage, does the, does the baby die? I mean, is it completely wiped out? No, it, it actually rises up and goes and sits on a what, my friends? On a throne. Now that passage is so deep. And tonight, by God's grace, when we begin our study tonight, you're going to understand why that part of him sitting on the throne becomes so significant. But again, we're reviewing. Remember this structure? We call this the sanctuary. And I told you that this was a key to unlocking all of the Bible. That if you understood this pattern, if you understood this picture, you could come to an understanding of Scripture that you have never, ever come to before. But for now, this is the outer court. And out in the outer court, they have the altar of sacrifice. You have that place there where the water is. They call that the laver. And then inside that tent structure, they had two compartments. One was called the holy place, and the other was called the most holy place. Now, we're going to go in great detail in one of our lectures coming up in the, in the coming weeks, but this is a beautiful, simple understanding of the plan of salvation. And in that holy place, there were three pieces of furniture. We have the candlesticks, the seven golden candlesticks, the altar of incense, and the table of shoe bread. And in the most holy place, we have the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant. This is where God's Shekinah glory dwelt. This is where he abode while he was with the children of Israel as they were wandering in the wilderness. In fact, in that most holy place, we had the anointed covering cherubs. And we found out yesterday that Lucifer was one of these anointed covering cherubs. He was a beautiful angel. He was no ordinary angel. In fact, we t we're told that he was covered in these stones. The topaz, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the, all these different stones com compose this angel. And imagine now this angel in the very presence of God with all this beauty as God's glory shone through him, how beautiful that angel must have been. And when he walked and he talked, all the angels paid attention. He was a close friend of God. And, when he, and you notice in this picture, I, or, or let me go back for a second. In this picture I showed you last night, these angels don't cover their face. 
These angels look directly into the presence of God. And I chose you in Isaiah chapter 6. Those angels have six wings, and two of them are used simply to cover their faces. So this angel has a special privilege that no other angel has. This angel knows things about God that the other angels don't. And he comes out from the direct presence of God and begins to spread lies about the character of God. Now, my friends, I tell you the truth. One of the greatest sins in the church and in the world is gossip. Can I say that again? One of the greatest sins, and we find it right here in the sanctuary beginning at the beginning of time. If you are a gossiper, you are actually following the teachings of the devil himself. It is one of the greatest ways to bring division amongst a family. It's the greatest way to bring division in a nation is to gossip, my friends. Let me tell you something. The Bible actually gives a cure for gossip. You know what it is? It's in Matthew chapter 18. This is what you do. I'm going to save your family right now. And I'm going to save your church. You need to pay attention to what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to save your family, and I'm going to save your church. Let's just say, God forbid, you get in an argument with your beautiful bride. You will never argue with her, I know. But let's just say he got in an argument with his wife, and then he said, you know what? I'm going to go tell my mom how bad this woman is. And he goes and tells his mom how bad the woman is. And then he and his wife make up. Everything's good. Everything's copacetic. Everything's gravy. But mom over here is still mad at the girl. Are you following what I'm saying? And now mom hasn't just kept that information to herself. She's told papa, she told the cousins, and the whole family. The whole family is upset at this wonder, wonderful woman that you still love. But it only because you did not protect that circle, my friends, because you did not protect that sacred circle, now you have unleashed a virus that is very hard to kill. Listen to me, my friends. This very behavior began in heaven. Be careful. We actually read these passages last night. I, I find it so fascinating. We read these passages last night. And my friends, we must be very, very careful as we go in our relationships. However, we saw Lucifer cast out because he was a gossiper and a liar and a backstabber. And the Bible, actually, I didn't share this verse with you last night, but I'll share it with you now. Go to Psalms 101. Psalms 101, Psalms 101, and I want to read verses 5 through 7. Psalms 101, verses 5 through 7. Watch what the Bible says. I find it actually very fascinating and very interesting. Psalms 101, verses 5 through 7. The Bible says, Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath a high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land that they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. Watch verse 7. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell where, my friends? In my house. He that telleth lies shall not tarry where, my friends? So you see this? Lucifer was in God's house. And what God say about liars? Where they got to go? They got to get out. You can't maintain relationships with liars, my friends. You can't maintain relationships with dishonesty, my friends. You can't maintain relationships if there's no trust, brothers and sisters. And here, the devil has been playing this game with us throughout all these centuries. 
And in, in fact, to the nth degree where we don't even trust God. I'll say it again. I, I know many people name the name of Jesus, but the reality is we don't really trust him. We don't really trust him. And look, I'm gonna sh- you're, you're going to see tonight whether or not it's true. Now, tonight we're going to be touching on creation. Oh, I can't wait to do this one. Darwin's greatest fear, his fear may be yours as well. Now, there's this great debate. And it's interesting, as I was preparing to do this, I actually had a series of wonderful arguments to prove, to give you reason to believe in creation. And as I was praying, I was impressed not to do that. Now, I didn't understand fully why. I still don't understand fully why, but I was impressed not to do that. And I believe I was impressed not to do that because the truth does not need to be debated. I want to see something. My, my little sister, can you come here for a second? Uh, let me see. My brother, will you come here for a moment? Yes. Now watch this. Come on, stand right here, my brother. He's a very friendly man. He looks, he looks like a giant, <laughs> but he's a, he's a very friendly man. Now, for a moment, I want you to imagine, now this is God, and this is evolution's debate. Now, if evolution wanted to fight God, go ahead, take a swing at him. <laughs> swing at him. Like, fight him. You see? <laughs> now, you see, she's trying to fight the big man, and she really doesn't know how to fight, A. And B, even if she could, she really wouldn't have a chance. Do you understand the idea? It's almost like, why waste my energy trying to explain something to someone that doesn't really want to know? There's a, there's, a true, there's a true thought here. I want you to think about this. There's an there's a old saying. It used to say, when the, teach, when the student arrives, the teacher will come. When the student arrives, the teacher will come. What does that mean? In essence, there is no point in trying to teach somebody something if they don't want to be taught. And you can try your best to make the best arguments in the world, and they will still be like, I don't see it. I don't get it. I don't understand. And that's fine. And I don't want to argue with you about it, and I don't have to waste my energy about it because you don't want to understand. But as soon as you want to understand, I have a whole list of arguments that I can give you to help you understand. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Thank you so much. You've illustrated my point perfectly. (laughs) Now, my friends, the Bible starts out with a declarative. It's in Genesis chapter 1 in verse 1. And watch what it says. It doesn't ask for a debate. It simply makes a declaration. It says in Genesis 1 verse 1, in the beginning, God did what, my friends? Created the heaven and the earth. Doom. That's it. It's a declaration. He's not trying to prove anything. He's God all by himself. It doesn't matter if you stand there and be like, I don't care. I don't believe there's a God. You can do that all day. The Bible says a fool has said in his heart that there is no God. That's what the Bible says. Now, Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the of the waters. And God said, let there be, what to say, my friends? 
So what I did was, because you know the creation story, it's, it goes like this. Day one, God says, let there be light. And day two, he says, let there be a firmament. And day three, he says, let there be earth and sea. And day four, he says, let there be sun, moon, and stars. And day five, he says, let there be birds in the air and fish in the sea. And in day six, he says, let there be beasts. And then on on that same day, now I want to read this one. Go to Genesis chapter 1. You're looking now at verse number 26. God does something specifically different with man on day six. Watch what he does. In Genesis 1 verse 26, the Bible says, And God said, Let us make man in our, what's it say, my friends? In our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, And in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So with everything else, God spoke. Boom. Let there be like. Now, it's easy. Now, if anybody in here claims to be God, we can make this real simple. All you got to do is come on up. I'm going to give you a marker. And all you got to do is command the marker to levitate. I'm going to try it. Here we go. Marker, levitate. Uh, I'm holding it, right? I'm going to try it again. Marker, I just want you to get this in your mind. When God created, all he had to do was speak. When God created, all he had to say was, let there be light. <laughs> let there be fish in the sea. Let there be birds in the air. Huh? All he had to do was speak, my friends. This is the God that we serve. A God that cannot make any mistakes. In fact, let me tell you something. If God were to say this, because the Bible says God is, is, is true. Let every man be a liar. God cannot lie. So if God said today, today is, uh, what's today's date? Give me the date. All right, if God said, uh, this is now September 14th, and it's 105 degrees, if God spoke that, time would literally go backwards, and the temperature would actually go up, because God can't lie. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Because he cannot lie, it is as, it is as firm and sure as anything, if he says it's 200 degrees, It will literally go 200 degrees because he cannot lie. It is not in his nature. It is not in his person. He is true altogether. Are you following what I'm saying? So in that mindset, let there be light. Let there be a firmament. Let the the earth, uh, earth and sea come on. Let the sun, moon, and stars come. Boom, boom, boom. He speaks and it's done. When he comes to man, he doesn't speak. He says, let us make man in our image. And he literally, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, he actually gets down on the ground and he forms man with his own hands, makes the exact shape that he needs to be, and then God himself uses his own breath, and we're still living on that one breath right now. Y'all not hearing me. 
He breathes into his nostrils the breath of life, and man now becomes a living, vibrant soul. We're talking about creation, the power of God. And on day seven, because he had done such a great job, <laughs> say, I'm resting today. Day seven, he just rests. No extra work. I'm resting to observe and, and to be an example for all other of my creation. Now, again, you know what I'm going to tell you next, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. How was the world created? Let's watch. Genesis 1 verse 3. Look again. Genesis 1 verse 3, it says, and God said. Genesis 1 verse 6 says, and God said. Genesis 1 verse 9 says, and God said. Genesis 1 verse 11 says, and God said. Genesis 1 verse 14 says, and God said. Genesis 1 20 says, and God said. Genesis 1 verse 24 says, and God said. So what happened? He said it, and it happened. In fact, go a little bit further with me. Psalms, Psalms 33. Psalms 33 verse 6 and 9. Watch this, my friends. Psalms 33, verse 6 and verse 9. The Bible says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Verse 9 says, For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. Are you following me, my friends? God spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. Now, I want you to see something. So it's by the word that everything was created. Now, I'm going to do a verse examination here. This is from Matthew chapter, 20, chapter 12, verse 33 to 37. Watch carefully what the text says. It says, either make the tree good and his, fr and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his, what's it say? By his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does what, my friends? So pause for a second. When God said, let there be light, what was in his heart manifested in creation itself. Did you hear what I just said? When God said, let there be a firmament, what he spoke was a manifestation of what was in himself. And if it was in himself, that's why it says it was good. It was a reflection of the creator himself. It says a good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. So the first thing I just want to make sure you have locked in your mind, that in creation, creation is based on the word. Everybody follow that? All right, let's lay it next level, next level. The word is wisdom. The word is wisdom. Now I want you to go to Proverbs chapter 3 very quickly. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 19. 
And tonight I said to you, I will have you out by 8 o'clock, and I will keep my word. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 19. I want you to see what the Bible says here. Proverbs 3, verse 19 says, The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. By understanding hath he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew. So there are some words that don't have any wisdom in them. But this word, when he spoke, was in couch with wisdom itself. So it says, by wisdom, verse 19, the, the Lord by wisdom have founded the earth. Psalms 104. Go to Psalms 104. Psalms 104, and we're looking at verse 24. Psalms 104. And we're looking at verse 24. Watch carefully. The Bible says in Psalms 104, verse 24, O Lord, how manifold are thy works. Speaking about creation. In wisdom hast thou made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. So again, the Bible is, is, is not just saying that the Lord spoke and it was done. It's saying that in him speaking, there was wisdom encouched in that word. So it, it makes a lot of sense. The, the other day I came across this, this fish, and I forgot the name of it, but it's a fish that literally eats fish twice its size and swallows the fish, and then the belly of the fish is like this. Yeah, it just, it's like, who thinks of that? What kind of, what kind of, why was it, who does that? Well, God did that. Psalms 136, verse 5, notice what the Bible says. And these other verses, we don't have time to read them all, write them down. Psalms 136, verse 5, it says, To him that by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endureth forever. So I have a, a couple of scientific things that I thought was interesting. I put them on the screen here. It says the stomach's digestive acids are strong enough to dissolve ink, zinc. Fortunately for us, the cells in the stomach lining renew so quickly that the acids don't have time to dissolve it. Uh, the second one, the lungs contain over 300 million, I'm saying that wrong, million capillaries, tiny blood vessels, if they were laid end to end, they would stretch 1,500 miles. That's, that's our lungs. That's, that's just in one body. Are you following what I'm saying? That is absolutely amazing. Uh, I don't want to read the next one. Let's go to number four. <laughs> Human bone is as strong as granite in supporting weight. A block of bone the size of a matchbox can support nine tons. That is four times as much as concrete can support. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. What do you say? The largest organ in the body is the skin. In an adult man, it covers about 1.9 or 27, 20 square feet. The skin constantly flakes away. In a lifetime, each person sheds about 40 pounds of skin. When you sleep, you grow about 
6.3 inches. The next day, you shrink back to your former height. The reason is that your cartilage discs are squeezed like sponges by the force of gravity when you stand or sit. The average person in the West eats uh, 50 tons of food and drinks 50,000 liters of liquid during his life. Can you imagine that? Each kidney contains one million individual filters. They filter an average of around 2.2 pints of blood per minute and expel up to 1.4 liters a day of urine. Number 10, the focusing muscle of the eyes move around 100,000 times a day. To give your leg muscles the same workout, you would need to walk 50 miles every day. I, I'm telling you, our creator had wisdom when he put this package together. This wasn't a random act. This was not by accident. Nobody, nobody in their right mind would walk into a room and see a book that has all these letters in organized fashion and said, oh, this was organized by a fire or a big bang. We're much more complicated than a book, my friends. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are made. But pass these up. I'm gonna, there's so much more, but I want to get to another word right now. The word is law. Now, I made up a song, which I will not sing, but this is an awesome, awesome song. Psalms 119, and I want you to go to verse 97. Psalms 119 and verse 97. So we saw the word, the, the, the word word in creation, wisdom in creation, and I want you to see something else. Psalms 119. 97. It says, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thou, through thy commandments, has made me, what's the word, my, my friends? Wiser. So God's commandments makes one wise. Wisdom comes from God's commandments. Thou hast made me wiser than my, thine, mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my, what's it say, my friends? Meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. I have refrained my feet, thy, my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth through thy precepts. I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. So God's law in this passage gives one wisdom. Let's go to another passage just to make sure you get it clearly. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4. And we're looking at verses 1 through 6. Watch carefully the words that are used. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verses 1 through 6. The Bible says, now, therefore, hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them that ye may live and go and to possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did because of Belpeor, for all the men that follow Baal Peor, the Lord thy God, have destroyed them from among you. But ye, have, but ye that did cleave unto the Lord your God, 
are alive, every one of you to this day. Watch this now. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me that ye should do so in the land whether you go to possess it. Verse 6. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your it's your wisdom. Do you see it? God's instructions, his statutes, his laws makes one wise. So when the Bible says that his that wisdom, that wisdom was in creation, that means his laws were in creation. If, if you decide to go on top of this roof, am I saying roof right? Roof, 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 roof. If you go up there and you decide to walk off the roof, what law will go into effect immediately? Gravity. Gravity. So when God spoke, he spoke that law into existence. Are you following? He spoke natural law. What's, what's happening right now is that scientists are discovering what has already existed. They're not creating anything. They are discovering. So therefore, God, with his word, with his wisdom, with his law, now has all creation functioning under some form of natural law. Are you following what I'm saying? Makes sense. So with that in mind, let's go a step further. I took all three of these words, the word, the wisdom, and the law. Now, these three words are so powerful that they find themselves in one person. Oh, watch this. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Look at what the Bible says. John chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was what, my friends? Was the Word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So here it is. The word was at the beginning with God. And everything that was created was created by the word. Now, we know, in fact, go to verse 14. You know this one. Look at verse number 14. The Bible says, and the word was made, what's it say? Flesh, Flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the word is Jesus. So Jesus was at creation, and he's been identified as the word. In fact, I want you to see something else. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, look at verse 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 24. Notice what the Bible says. It says, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the, what's it say, my friends? Wisdom of God. Christ is the word. Christ is the wisdom. So in creation, God himself is putting himself in creation. 
He's there calling it forth. There's order and structure in creation. But there's more. Colossians. Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. And when you have it, just say amen. So watch this. It says, who is the image of the invisible God? Speaking of Jesus. The firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things, what's it say, my friends? Consist. So now my brain, because today I was praying, praying, praying. There's a question I always have. When you look at the religions of the world, I always ask myself the question, why do most religions attack Jesus? Because if you look at the person of Jesus, he did everything right. He was respectful to women. He called out the hypocrisy in religious behavior. He was, he was a great teacher of the word. He, so why does nearly every religion attack the person of Jesus? And then I thought about it today. You know why? The reason why they attack Jesus is the same reason why they attack creation. Because look, if Jesus is God and he is the creator, that means I owe him obedience. I owe him worship. But what does self want to do? I want to worship me. I'm going to do me. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to make my decisions. And so this is contrary to the nature of the human heart. The human heart does not want to be subservient to anybody. Do you like to be told what to do? I, don't like to, I definitely don't like to be told what to do. You can't tell, you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> I'm smiling about it. I'm for real. <laughs> I don't like to be told what to do. And I know most of you don't like to be told what to do. But if there's a God and he has instructions and rules and I want to go do X and then the God of the Bible says, well, you're not supposed to do that. You're like, look, I'm good. Or we recreate God in our own image. So what he likes, I like. Not that he likes it, it's just he's going to have to like it right now. Or we'll, or we'll do it worse. We'll do it worse. We'll be like, I know you forgive me, so I'm going to go do my dirt. I'll do my dirt. I know you're going to forgive me when I'm done. And we treat him because literally we don't want him as our Lord. We just want the benefits of being saved. Are you following me, my friends? I know what I'm saying is an uncomfortable saying, but the reality is Christianity has got away from Christ being Lord. They just wanted them to be saved and let me do what I do on the side. Stay with me. Don't, don't burn me yet. Colossians chapter 2, look at verse 3. Colossians 2, verse 3, it says, In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Talking about Jesus in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Verse number nine, it says, For in him, speaking of Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. 
So Jesus is the creator. Jesus was at the beginning when he said, let there be light. Jesus was right there. Let there be birds in the sky. He was right there. Let there be fish in the sea. He was right. He spoke and it was done. Jesus is the creator. Now, last night I put this slide up and I'm going to make sure I give it to my friend tonight. But this slide I put up last night. And I'm going to go over it very quickly. We have God's character, which is a, his, his person, and we have his law. So God's character is holy, and God's law is holy. God's character is truth, according to Psalm 31, verse 5, and God's law is truth, according to Malachi chapter 2 and verse 6. God's character is righteous. God's law is righteous. God's character is perfect, Matthew 5, verse 48, and God's law is perfect, Psalms, 1, Psalms 19, verse 7. God's character is a spirit, John 4, 24. God's law is spiritual, Romans chapter 7, verse 14. God's character is eternal, 1 Timothy 1, verse 17. God's law is eternal, Psalms 111, 7 and 8. God's character is unchangeable, James chapter 1 and verse 17, and God's law is unchangeable, Psalms 89 verse 34. God's character is full of love, 1 John 4 and verse 8, and God's law is full of love, Matthew 22 verses 36 through 40. Now, why say all that? Because of this. The law of God is as sacred as God himself. It is a revelation of his character. And his character has been stamped in creation. So the law of God is as sacred as himself. It is a revelation of his will. It is a transcript of his character. It is an expression of divine love and wisdom. Wisdom. Now watch this. Harmony and peace are dependent on conformity to God's law. Now, that is a heavy statement. Harmony and peace are dependent on conformity to God's laws. Now, just for a moment, if you would just think about this, and then before I go there, let me just put these texts up. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. By understanding hath he established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths are broken up, and the clouds drop down the dew. I put this up because this is God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son. In the, in the Godhead, there is perfect unity, it's perfect love. They live by these laws, these principles. And it's upon these principles that the earth itself was built. It's upon these principles that the planet was formed, that everything functioned based on the reality of that principle. But when sin came into the picture, everything changed. Are you following? Everything changed. Because you, you're, you cannot and I cannot understand Bible prophecy without understanding the connection between this unity of the, the Father, Son, and the Spirit of God and what they did in the creation of the earth and then where we are today. Look at this. I want to read something else to you here. Um, this is Acts chapter 17. Go to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. I had a teacher come to my school one time. I run a missionary training school. 
uh, and this guy came to the school, and I sat in his class. I invited him to come teach, and he taught me something that I don't even think he realized he taught me. But he was, he was in the class. He was teaching about the effects of sin and the, the impact of sin. And he said something that was profound. He said, Andre, or he said, what's talking to me? He said to the class, class, he said, do you realize that pain is actually a teacher that God implores to help us not want pain anymore? Now you say, Andre, that doesn't make any sense. That, does, that sounds retarded, man. That sounds silly. Listen, you see, when Adam and Eve, when Eve bit from that fruit, the Bible says that immediately she should have died. Upon, upon biting the fruit, she should have fell dead right there. But she didn't. Because what happened was the grace of God stepped in and gave humanity time. Time to decide whether or not they really wanted sin. Do you really like sin? I want you to think about it for a moment. I'm, talk- I'm not talking about the, the temporary joy that you get from doing whatever the bad thing is. I'm talking about the impact of it. Like right now, there are children being trafficked by people for sexual pleasure, and we are here comfortable. I, went to a- I was in a country. True. I was in the country. I was preaching at this place, and the guy said, come, Andre, I want you to come with me. I said, okay. I thought we were just going for, you know, a nature walk or something. We go for this walk, and we begin to walk in the town. And these mothers, this is a very poor area, these mothers came out of their house. They saw me as an American, and they were offering their children to me. This wasn't happening at 11 o'clock at night. This wasn't happening at midnight. This was 12 o'clock in the afternoon, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, offering their children to me for pleasure so they can have some money, so they can have food on their table. Tell me, do you like the effects of sin? Now, brothers and sisters, I'm, I'm, I asked the question one time, one, another time I, I, uh, a friend of mine's daughter got, or not daughter, niece got shot. And the family had this big funeral. Now, they invited me to oversee the funeral. And at that time, I said, OK, I would go. And I went to the funeral. And the family, this one guy, man, he was just, he was just supposedly distraught, just making a big boo-hoo, just crying and wailing and screaming and doing all this contortion and all this stuff. And the Spirit of God moved upon my mind. And I stood before the family because I know a lot of those people were selling drugs. A lot of those people were gangbanging. A lot of those people were listening to the music that got the young lady shot in the first place. And I said to them, look, you don't like death? Oh, no. But why are you doing the stuff that causes it? If you don't like sin, if you don't like the results of sin, if you don't like the sorrow and the pain and the heartache, why do we keep sinning? You know, let me read something else to you. Look at this. Acts, Romans. Go to the book of Romans. Book of Romans. Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 1. Look at this. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Look what the Bible says in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Praise God. For it is the, what's it say? 
It is the power of God unto salvation. Now, why is it the power of God? Because the same power that called the worlds into existence is in the word of God, and that power begets life. It's the gospel. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Watch this. For therein is righteous is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. For as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, stay with me in these passages. Sometimes we don't read our Bibles that much, so it's kind of like, well, he's going to keep reading. I'm going to keep reading. Pay attention to the text. Watch what it says. Because that which may be known of God, I'm sorry, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. Well, how did he do that? For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without, what's it say, my friends? The heavens declare the glory of God. Verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, in their thoughts. And their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise. They became, what's it say? Fools. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Watch this now, verse 23. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore? God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own body between themselves. And let's pause for a second. In other words, let's translate that. What this text is saying is God has given evidence of who he is. But because people don't want that, they create their own imagination of what God is. And when they create their own imagination of what God is, God gives them up to their passion. He gives them up to whatever their temptation is, whatever their struggle is. Because look, my brothers and sisters, we can go no higher than the God that we serve. So if you're worshiping a man, if you worship a pastor, guess what? You ain't there yet. You don't want to. You definitely don't worship pastors, man. We are some of the craziest people on the planet. I'm trying to tell you the truth. (laughs) You don't want to worship no pastor. Pastor got to go pray. When I'm done here, I got to go pray. You don't want to worship any man. You don't want to worship any church. You want to worship any organization. You want to worship the God of heaven. You worship him, then your character becomes more and more what you were designed to be. Does that make sense, everybody? Watch this now. Let's go a little bit further. It says, verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto their vile affections for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature that's talking about homosexuality and likewise also men leaving the natural use of woman burned in their own lusts 
one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Now watch this. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of, what's it say? Evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but what's it say? But have pleasure in them that do them. Now, I read that today. My, as I was preparing for the sermon, my, I, sometimes I end up preaching to myself, if that makes any sense. And as I'm in there preaching to myself, my daughter walks in, so I have to stop real quick. Talk to her real fast. But the thought came to my mind as I was going over the text. Now, none of us in our right minds would ever invite anybody into our house. We go, you know, we do some popcorn. We sit on the chair with the popcorn and invite someone into our house to have sex in front of us on our floor. Would you do that? Right? You, you wouldn't do that, right? But wait. We would sit on the couch, pop some popcorn, turn on the TV, and watch it. None of, us, none of us in our right mind, none of us in our right mind would sit on the couch, get some popcorn, invite somebody in to do some shoot 'em up bang bang stuff. Bazookas and kniving and killing folks. You wouldn't in your right mind invite anybody into your house to do it, but you would sit down, turn on the TV, eat some popcorn, and watch them do the very same thing. The text just said, not only those that do them, but those that take pleasure in those that do it. You see, brothers and sisters, this is a hard saying. See, when, I, when I'm preaching the Bible, I'm not preaching the Bible as if I am there. What I'm preaching is God is here. I'm down here. We need to get up there. In other words, fake Christianity is not going to do it anymore, guys. Running around, jumping and screaming is not going to do it no more. What's going to have to happen is Christians are going to have to actually be Christians. And so the powerful concept in all of this is that the creator can create in us what we don't have. Our natural proclivity to darkness and evil, our natural bent and desire to do wrong, that is in us. You can't deny that. It's in me. It's in you. It's in all of us. So when that is there, then my soul must cry out to the master, Father, create in me a clean heart, Lord. Please, Father, do for me what I cannot do for myself. I am an unclean man in the midst of a people that are unclean, and they think they're okay when we're not okay. We're not okay. We need changing, brothers and sisters. We need changing. There's a song that comes from, I like singing, but there's a song that comes to my mind right now. It says, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. 
It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Then it goes, not the deacon or the teacher, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not the preacher or my mama, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Then it goes, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I got to let you go. I said I have to keep my word. I want to go to the book of Hebrews. In verse 10, this is, what the, this is what the creator wants to do for each of us, friends. The book of Hebrews. Chapter 8 and verse 10. It says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God. And they shall be to me a people. God is not asking you to be anything that he can't create inside of you. He promises to write his law in your heart. See, I don't care what your sickness is, your depravity is, your spiritual disease is. I don't care what your habit is. I just know that the creator wants to take you and he wants to mold you and he wants to create in you what you don't have yourself. How many are willing to let God do that for them? Are you willing to let God do that for you? If that's your desire, I want to do something special tonight. Can we press together this way? Can you come up this way? Come this way. Come this way. Let's press together. Just come this way. Let's pray together. Come up as close as you can. As close as you can. Come up as close as you can. Because tonight, what we want to do, brothers and sisters, we want to be 1,000% honest with God. We want Jesus to take our hearts. We want him to change us from the inside. Not for show, not for game, but just take us, Lord. Bow your heads with me. Our Father in heaven, Lord, you see your children here. 
we are coming before you, Lord, because there is nowhere else to go. You spoke and it was done. You commanded and it stood fast. And that same creative power is available to us today. I pray, Father, we pray as a family, as a unit, Lord. We want you to take our hearts, for we cannot give them to you. We ask, Father, that you keep our hearts, for we cannot keep them ourselves. We ask, Father, that you save us from ourselves, our weak, unchristlike selves, Lord, please. where the rich currents of your love may truly flow through our soul. Tonight, Father, we want to leave converted. Father, we want to leave tonight. I pray, Father, that every shackle, every demonic spirit that would seek to lay hold on any brother or sister in this room, I ask that you banish them, Lord. I ask, Father, this not only for those that are here under the sound of my voice, but others who should have been here tonight, Father. Father, please, we're living in these crazy times. And Lord, there is no purpose in doing religious things as a form or a fashion. Make us Christians, Lord. Please, Father. For those who have bowed their heads this evening, those who have come forward, Father, those who are sitting but still in their hearts come forward, I pray, Lord, that you give them special understanding of your word. I pray, Father, that you give them discernment beyond their normality. And, Lord, there's a test coming very shortly to all of us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you will help us to be firm and faithful. Please, Lord. We thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer. And we thank you for answering. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you all. Before you leave tonight, there are your books. There's a gift that I have for you, and if you've been here two nights, you need to stay here on the, in the front. If you've been here, I'm not, tar- I'm not sorry, two nights. If you've been here every night, you need to stay in the front. If you've been here one night or two nights, we have a book for you right outside. Is it, up, is set, is it set up, Pastor? All right. It's, it's right outside. You'll get your book. If you've been here every night, you need to stay inside because I have the gift that I need to give you directly. Also, please remember, there's no meeting tomorrow. There's no meeting the next day. There's no meeting the next day, but there is a meeting on Thursday, 6.30 in this room. Bring all your friends and all your enemies. (laughs) Then your enemies become your friends, amen? So bring all your friends and your enemies, and I look forward to seeing you. Please make sure you put your questions in the question box so we can answer those questions for you. I look forward to fellowshipping with you even more. God bless. You have a good evening.